college. Avoidance of responsibility. Escapism. Friendship. Long ago, the four elements lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when... This is where the script got really weird. Yeah. So basically, this is the Cactus Juice Pod. Stay tuned to this podcast if you want to listen to Hannah and Nika talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. Cue intro music. Sleeping. <laughs> um, let me find your notes. I have my notes pulled up. I mean, we can talk about the state of the sad and depressing state of our world as well. Well, let's not. You know what we should talk about? We should talk about how <laughs> I'm playing Animal Crossing right now because you know who isn't. But I've I liked Animal Crossing since it was a GameCube not, version. Look, I'm not playing it. I don't understand it. It's, it's so As a good. concept. But anyway, one of the first things you do is you name your island. And I was debating for, like, even before I got the game, like, what the heck would I even name my island? And then I finally came up with this, like, oh, something that's really me would be they meant Croissant Island because it's bread. And, like, if you yeah. squint, it's kind of like Crescent Island from Avatar The Last Airbender, right? Right? So whenever I input the name... I thought island was automatically tacked on at the end, so all I put was croissant, and I click enter, and now my island is just named croissant instead of croissant island. I'm like, well, this is my island now, <laughs> so. I think it makes sense. It's very, It sounds very you. Thank you. I'm just sad that it's, you know, missing half of its name. So. No, I just think that's funny. <laughs> Ugh, so sad. Okay, so podcast. Hey, Hannah. Hey, Nika. <laughs> okay, so we are on to episode three now, the Southern Air Temple. Oh boy, I have over two pages of notes. I looked at yours. Oh boy, I don't like. Hmm, where to even begin? Because I'm just like, yes, now we're getting into it. Like the pilot's over. It's time to go. Let's mm-hmm. go. Like it's time for character development and plot advancement. And so many layers were added to this episode. So many. <sighs> There's deep breath. Everyone, settle down. Settle in. Let's get into it. Yeah, we are. It's only episode three, and already the episode opens up with an ominous gong. So that's a great start. Time to get to the good stuff. Big hurt. Ugh. I mean. Yeah, like, I think the pilot did a really good job of setting us up for, like, what was going to be expected for this series. It did its job, it established the universe, it established the characters, it established the relationships, and now... We um, get to explore it all. Exactly. I don't think I noticed this in the first two episodes, or the pilot, or whatever. Did you notice the TV rating? No. I don't know if I didn't notice it because I just never noticed it or because I'm watching from the DVD version and you're not. Okay. Yeah, so I'm watching like, from, um, yeah. Yeah. So it could be that because, oh, you know what? I can check the box right now, I guess. Yeah, I'm watching the internet version. Um, yeah, I'm wondering if it has to say on the internet because, like, you know, anyone can internet. see it. 
Yeah. yeah. But, but like it says the box set. The title? rating is TV7, and then it says V for violence. And I noticed that, and I was like, oh, snap. Was that there before? This is I don't Ooh. see it on the actual box, and I don't remember if it was on this uh, screen, menu screen, or title screen, whatever it's called. Oh. But did you, would you agree with that rating? I didn't think it was violent, per se. Well, you know, whenever you're first thinking about it, it has some very, very adult themes in here. Um, That we didn't really realize as kids, so. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you are thinking, oh, bleep. Mm Mm-hmm. Now that I'm watching it as an adult and, like, a lot of my job and a lot of my education and my background, I studied a lot of this, which is unfortunate. But, like, I, like, whenever I studied international social work, a large part of what we study is war, refugees, grief, loss, having to handle that. So Um, you must have had a field day watching this episode then. Now that I'm out of school... Yeah. Yeah, now that I have so much more to, like, I just feel like my lens and, like, my toolbox to analyze the show with just got so much bigger in grad school. And now that I'm looking at it with these fresh eyes, so to Mm -hmm. say, it's Mm -hmm. just kind of making my brain go haywire. Well, I have no such education. I'm just older. So... Let's, uh, yeah, let's get on with it. Okay, all right. So, they reached the Southern Air Temple. Mm-hmm. How, how far is the Southern Air Temple from the Southern Water Tribe? Like, mm-hmm. so, we were never shown how long it takes to travel, which makes sense, mm-hmm. I guess, it's kind of boring. So, did it take, like, a day, a couple of days? Like, also, I never realized until I wrote down that note, that, wait, Southern Air Temple, Southern Water Time, of course, are going to be relatively close to each other. But still, like, how close? How big like, is this world? Ugh. Exactly. So, like, whenever it is just showing us these little episodes and tidbits, um, I have always imagined it like we're just this omniscient presence that gets to peek in on these people's lives every once in a while Mm -hmm. um, because we do get to see what's happening with all the characters but only with the characters that are on screen at one time because that would be insane to have like those scenes up on the screen at once. But But now I need to know everything. exactly, Exactly like we only get to see what the writers want us to see. And what ultimately is important to the plot and the story. Exactly. So it's not that important to know how yeah. far it is, but I still want to know. Exactly. It's like reading it's like reading a book. You're only going to be seeing what is what the author deems is most relevant to plot development, character development, um what's the most interesting to the storyline. Because like let's be real, if someone was checking in on your life, uh I would want people to see my most um my most exciting episodes. I don't think they want to see me taking like a million naps a day. (laughs) Good point. But, you know, talking about this makes me wonder also, do you think they had a tectonic plate system? 
Like, is it possible the continents moved around? So, because it says a lot can change in 100 years. Is it possible that their plate movement could have pushed it closer? There's really no way to tell at all. But I'm like, just posing no, the question. There's not a semblance of uh, physics at all because people can move the elements. So who's mm-hmm. to say that an earthbender didn't decide to move the tectonic plates? Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, we do get examples of people literally creating different land masses. Yeah, and moving whole islands. Exactly. <sighs> I mean, so, like, a lot can change in a hundred years. Speaking of which, how long is their lifespan? Exactly, because like when Katara and Sokka are trying to prepare Aang for the inevitable like things devastation and loss that his that he's going to experience because he's he's basically suffered through a genocide he's the last of his kind and it hasn't necessarily hit him yet and so Katara is trying to protect him from that and that line a lot can change in a hundred years like we obviously know that there are people in this world that have longer lifespans mm-hmm. and that they have lived over hundreds of years is so exactly so, like, <laughs> the whole concept of time is frustrating in this in this sense because it's like, yes, Aang was in the iceberg for a hundred years, but at the same time, people, like, gave up looking for him, knowing yeah. that other people w- very well could outlive a war like that and also outlive, like, um, oh my gosh, I this lost my train of thought. natural life experiences. Yeah. Exactly. And so for the world to have given up searching for the Avatar after only a hundred years, I find that a little convenient for the plot. (laughs) Uh, You see what I I mean? mean, Yeah. But they assumed, or at least that's the sense I got, was that the Avatar is no longer an airbender. They thought it would have been a waterbender, which is why the Fire Nation went after the Southern Modern Tribe and their benders. I mean, it's it's a little it's a little messy in the beginning, I guess. Yeah, really nitpicking it like this. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to figure out like how much of the series did the writers have mapped out. I've read in several places that like they had whenever they pitched this to Nickelodeon to be able to produce the series, they already had everything mapped out, and they were like, it's going to be three um three seasons, three books. Bing, bam, boom, tied up in a nice little bow. There mm-hmm. it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and now with the additions of like Legend of Korra and all the books, I feel like they just kept adding and adding and adding to this lore before like having a full idea of what they were creating. Okay, I got you. I see what you're saying. Kind of like not necessarily making it up as they go, but once they had the freedom to explore more of the world, they really just let loose, I suppose. I'm going to reference J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter with this. Okay. Because. Despite never having she... finished the series. <laughs> I can cut that if you want. <laughs> well, Mika. Um, so what I was saying before you rudely, very rudely pointed that out, um, was that. J.K. Rowling, whenever she created the series, uh, yes, the seven Harry Potter books, she 
had a general idea of how the plot was supposed to go, how this world works, established it well. But now that we are in this post Harry Potter series world where she created Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, The Cursed Child is out there, and there's a lot of debate on whether or not it's canon, even though she signed off on it. Like, do you see where I'm going with this? I think so. Kind of like the retconning, sort of. Do you know what retconning means? No. So whenever you, like, establish a fact or in canon, but later on, you change that fact or you correct yourself in the past. Okay. I didn't really, that makes sense? Yeah. Like, you go back and correct it because... I don't know if J.K. Rowling really knew what she was creating in that sense, like the phenomenon that Harry Potter became. I don't think, just like I don't think these creators necessarily knew what they were creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. it's going to go back for my favorite author, J.R.R. Tolkien. Okay. Who, when he was creating Middle Earth, created histories, languages, mythologies, religions, so much into this universe before writing Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he really fleshed out, like, all the backstories before putting out a small snippet of it, I guess. Backstories on backstories on backstories. (laughs) These legends have legends. Okay. Wow. Yes. Wow. Exactly. So. So I I guess we do get more of that when we get into Legend of Korra. We get more into the history and then the books. Like, they're coming out with a book dedicated to Avatar Kyoshi. Excited for that. Oh, boy. Ooh. Yeah, right? Uh Uh-huh. But back to to this episode. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of suggest that they have thought a little more about the Avatar lore whenever they go into the Air Temple Sanctuary and they see all of Aang's past lives. Yeah, I have notes on that. Yes. Do you want to keep going chronologically or do you want to start going there? I, I kind of want to keep going chronologically because if we go okay. all over the place, I'm going to get lost. So okay. let's focus on the first line, I guess, with a lot can change in 100 years. Okay, we got that. And <laughs> yeah, now- a lot can change. I put in my notes right here. A lot can change in 100 years. Seriously, this is going to hurt like a mother. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're gonna have so much fun editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I put in all caps. How long is their lifespan? But we already went over that. So, mm. and then we cut to Zuko, and we both have the same note. Wow, his ship is small. <laughs> R.I.P. Like he knows he should have known. Like whenever his father sent him on this quest or whatever, that this was just to get rid of him. He had to have known that in his soul. Like somewhere locked out deep down, yeah. I kept trying to think, like, what was the, what would the, um, what should I call it, justification be for getting such a small ship? I mean, faster and takes up less supplies, but the, yeah, but the, but, but the how would it be covert? Everyone would have had to have known that that he true. was out. He was out and about for shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was branded on his face with the scar, so. In front of millions of people. Yeah. Or thousands, or I don't know how much. Like, Yeah, I've, I have a feeling the shot that they show, we only know that Zuko's ship is tiny, because we see it surrounded by all of Commander Zhao's ships. So that really uh, feels important. But again, I'm not a film critic, so I can't say exactly what the meaning is there. But I think it also is meant to show the vast resources of the Fire Nation as well Mm -hmm. 
like it we kind of get dropped off um in the middle slash end of this war so we see what zuko's fleet or his crew and whatever can do terrorizing Sokka and Katara's village but we also know that their village didn't really stand a chance yeah it was but a really now tiny that village see, but now that we see Zhao's get up we're like oh they're a oh, force these, to reckon with yeah actually one of the they notes have a have. huge leg up on the rest of the world right now because we don't even know what kind of forces the earth kingdom have yeah, one of the notes I did have was like this episode really seemed to showcase the the power and the force of the Fire Nation. So I guess um, that shot contributed to that. Most definitely with the fact that the Fire Nation had already wiped out the airbenders. Yes, the airbenders were like the smallest population in this world. We don't know that yet. But like, mm-hmm. still, was it was a ever, huge deal. Was it ever confirmed later on that they were the smallest? Like that, they were the most scattered, and they just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't remember where I picked up that tidbit of knowledge. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it would make sense, but I but can't if there's think, only There's I only four air temples, right? There's only two water tribe territories. <laughs> True. So, I guess, I, I'm trying to remember, because I feel like I believe that too, that they were the smallest. But I can't remember any confirmation of that. I'm going to make a note. For things to keep an eye on. There we go. There we go. We're reading the notes. Zuko's ship is tiny. It, like, it really just shows, like, the power and the might and the advantage that the Fire Nation has over literally everyone. Granted, like, we had already kind of established that they were, like, clearly better off than, like, the rest of the world as it, as Katara and Sokka's home lacks resources and we were just like, where are they getting wood for their fires? Yeah. Whereas, like, in the first episode, here's Iroh eating roast duck, which mm-hmm. seems to be pretty delicacy. Really? I mean, who can say? Who knows? How often do you eat roast duck? I mean, I wouldn't say... I was about to say, I wouldn't say ducks are endangered, but I don't know. I'm an ignorant fool, so... But I don't like, think duck is that hard to come by but on a tiny ship in the middle of nowhere they would have to have someone keeping the ducks alive have to like have like i mean cured meats is a thing true (laughs) okay but um so one of the things i notice is uh one of the questions i have is where are they getting repairs because they had to travel not that far they could not have traveled that far on a ship damaged that badly. And also, we've seen, like, in the background of wherever the head Commander Zhao is stationed, there are snow-capped mountains. Someone, are they pretty close to the Southern Water Tribe? I would think so. I think... So, was Sokka yeah. justified in his worry that any day the fire nation should come back? Because in the last episode, I was like, nah, Sokka's, Sokka's just overreacting. But now I'm like, was he... Did he have legitimate concerns? Well, we do know that they had been raiding the Southern Water Tribe for a while. But it sounds like the last one was whenever Katara and Sokka's mother passed away, or was killed. And that was when they were still pretty small, so. Yeah, yeah. So that might have been, like, the last one. But it was still, like, fresh enough in their minds to be scared of an eminent one. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. So I feel like... The Fire Nation, strategically speaking, establishing that base that Zhao was at and, like, the Water Tribe 
most likely knew of their location for it, which is like why they never really tried to send for help or like they sent their men and their warriors off rather than having someone trying to come and help uh, rebuild their tribe and trying to like stockpile weapons and try mm-hmm. to make that so much like that wouldn't even be worth it strategically strategically mm-hmm. speaking so it was like a, a blockade to cut them off from the world mm-hmm. when they already are gotcha yeah so, so i yeah. imagine that the fire nation had put a base there Mm -hmm. Um, just to keep tabs on the Southern Water Tribe, which kind of takes me to another question. I don't know why they would, I really don't know why they would put that many resources, devote that many resources to some, a group of people that they don't deem as even a threat. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe it was also a trading post. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Good point. That could be it too. Um, Yeah. Or, I'm um, no war strategist. That's just me <laughs> asking questions. Uh-huh. I don't know much while, about while chess we were, either. While we were talking, I was, like, um, playing with the idea, like, so all the warriors left the water tribe. Are they stationed there in case they try to come back home and ambush them there, too? Ooh. But also, I'm not a war strategist. I don't know if that's a viable option to spend all those resources. So True. The main point be an effective of the station, leader, though. you have to be able to analyze your resources and your assets and see if the risk is worth it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a board game. Um, but what's also important about this base is we meet Commander Zhao. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, boy. I think in, in introducing Zhao this early on and showing him the ob and showing the obvious like. Uh, issues between in conflict between him and Zuko is a nice little is a nice little um not teaser but like it's a nice hint that Zuko's not going to be the sole um antagonist from the Fire Nation too yeah the main antagonist at all Mm -hmm. because they've already really started to humanize Zuko by showing those flashbacks Mm -hmm. and giving us those hints and like Zhao taking those hits saying you're dishonor on you dishonor on your um you dishonor your family dishonor on you dishonor on your whole family dishonor on your cow cow. (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh man so um and then I think you have more notes about the whole Zhao and Zuko interaction than I do okay whenever Zhao does ask Zuko to join him for a drink I'm like that's a kid I had the same thought but that is a child I tried to think, like, we're both 25, Hannah. Like, we're gonna think a drink is an alcoholic drink. I don't think we would have thought of that when we were 10, 11, 12. I think we just thought, like, oh, he's thirsty, he wants some water. Valid, but they also don't have any sort of prohibition laws or drinking laws We don't laws even for know if they have alcohol in this show, to be honest. Like, do you, can you think of any mention of, like, some wine or spirits? Look, Nika. <laughs> I agree if with your this, statement. If this world has any sort of food that can be fermented, alcohol's going to exist. I mean, even by accident. You're not wrong. I agree with your sentiment that the first thing you thought of was like a drink. He's just a kid. But I, I think they banked on that actual kids, their target audience wouldn't think that. I know I did it whenever I first I mean, Iroh comes in and swoops in and goes like, I would love some tea. Yeah, like not even batting an eye. He didn't think it was odd. So... 
fine. I don't know Fire, <laughs> Fire Nation culture or whatever offering for a drink. And he's all like, Zuko, be respectful to the commander. And I was like, he outranks him! Yeah, right. That's what I kept thinking, too. It's like, this is a weird power dynamic because technically... Zuko outranks him as a prince, but also technically he's a banished prince. So where does this whole ranking stand? Like, what is the hierarchy? And I mean, like, Zhao should actually be more respectful to Iroh, I would say, because Iroh's yeah. an established general. Yeah, uh, even though has... it was said that he, he clarified that he was a retired general. He's still retired as a general. He's so. still retired as a general, and he's still very well, re- should be still very well respected to uh, in the Fire Nation yeah. community. Zhao called him a hero. Also, he's the Fire Lord's brother, too. So, like, mm. I'm dead serious. I'm just like, how tight of a grip does this monarchy have? Right, right. Ugh. But yeah. Oh. So, Zhao's a big meanie. He's a big meanie. But at the same time, he talks about his promotion but he's also in the middle of nowhere, technically. Yeah. Well, I think that really highlights how ambitious he is. But Zhao's superiors, like, we'll learn about Zhao's ambition later because, he, as it turns out, he is going to be the main antagonist of this season, mm-hmm. of this book. Mm-hmm. As we get to see all of the action-packed Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. But, like... You know, I'm just thinking if his if his strategies, if his um, leadership skills, if he was an actual like really good military um, person, wouldn't that mean that he would be closer to the Fire Lord, be closer to like all of like this central, like uh huh? You know, he would. In the inner I feel circle. Like he would be, exactly. I feel like he would be closer to consolidated power. But no, he's just the, uh, what's his rank? Commander? Commander. Admiral? Captain? Whatever. Commander. But I he's feel just like the he's... commander of this outpost. But I feel like he wants to be on the front lines rather than hold up in a war room, you know? Mm. I feel like he just wants to be important and he wants to boss people around. Yeah, uh-huh. I definitely question because... his quote-unquote leadership skills. I think it's just... Uh, intimidation and conniving schemes. Question his leadership skills, and I question his loyalty to the crown as well. Really? You think so? Well, if if the royal family of the Fire Nation is supposed to be highly revered, and he just treated two of its members, regardless of honor or whatever, I'd be calling him a traitorous pig. This is true, but I'm wondering if he's acting on president because the Fire Lord himself looked down on his son. So I'm wondering if that gives Zhao, in his mind, the okay to also look down on his son. But his brother. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm wondering, like, is the fact that Iroh, I'm assuming, I'm going to assume for the sake of this argument, it willingly went with Suko. Does that kind of taint his, um, or tarnish his reputation in Zhao's eyes also? It probably does because the Fire Nation also like isn't known for being great at um, not like child rearing. What is it? They're not, not nurturing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fire Nation as a culture isn't known for being super nurturing. Mm-hmm. And so like they highly value like accomplishments, hard work, and that and that 
now that I have a little bit more background knowledge of child development and attachment styles, yeah, mm-hmm. all those people need therapy. It's a very <laughs> toxic culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we get that first meeting between Commander Zhao, Uncle Iroh, and Zuko. Now we go back to um, Katara, Sokka, and Aang. Have we established that Aang's a vegetarian yet in this canon? That was my next question because yeah. whenever Sokka was like, do we have anything to eat? And I, and he was all like, oh, I used that jerky to start the fire. Yeah, that was a good point. I didn't uh, think about when it was established, but also <laughs> this is only the third episode. It's so. true. Well, like Aang would... Aang wouldn't know what food is with them because it's a different culture. Yeah. And yeah. again, he's he's visited he's visited water tribes before. Mm-hmm. Well, I have no idea what blubbered seal jerky looks like. So it is plausible that he didn't know that what he was looking at was food. Because I'm assuming blubbered seal jerky is fatty, and fat's a good fire starter. So I can see his line of thinking. True. I think True. it's a reasonable mistake to make. Yeah. Poor Sokka. Didn't get his meat. I relate so hard. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Like, mm-hmm. I see, and then this is also establishing, like, how Katara's, like, very hesitant to tell Aang, like, or trying to prepare him for mm-hmm. what he might be seeing. She's like, yeah, the Fire Nation, they're ruthless, they're terrible. Like, look what they've done to us and our people. How do you think that you have this? blind optimism and exceptionalism but then later on like whenever she calls ang over to call him to see the helmet it was just a helmet she hesitated and changed her mind and like i get the sentiment but how long do you think you can keep this how long did she think that she would be able to reasonably keep this from him as they explore his ruined home I know, like, I don't think Aang thinks that it's ruined, though. I think he thinks, I think he's prepared for, like, his friends and um, all of the people that he loved to be gone, um, or old now. Yeah, old. Mm -hmm. Old and gone, but I don't, I think he's still imagining a functioning air temple. True, true. Like, it may have moved on without him, not necessarily been completely obliterated. Yeah. But mm. I feel like he also, since they had found it kind of in ruins, which I was kind of like, oh, you know, for being abandoned since everyone was killed in it, like, mm-hmm. over a hundred years ago, it still looks like it's in pretty good shape. I don't know at what rate, like, r- temples and buildings and ruins begin to crumble. Uh-huh. I, I mean, stone takes a while to erode, but it also has been a hundred years. Um, Have you ever been to any ruins, Nika? Have you ever seen a ruin? The closest I could think of is the Alamo. (laughs) That doesn't really count. So, no. Okay. Just curious, because I've seen some ruins. And... I just wanted to say I've seen some ruins. Okay. <laughs> I didn't have anything more interesting. <laughs> Nothing to add to the the conversation this episode. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, I've been there, sort of, in a way, in this reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. But mm-hmm. one thing, one thing, oh my gosh, 
Hannah. Oh my goodness. Hannah. What? 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 So Aang was telling them about his, you know, his life in the Air Temple, blah 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 blah, and he mentioned his his mentor Monkiot. So. And I was like, hold the phone. Have I been mispronouncing his name this entire time for God knows how long? Because I always been saying Monk Kiatsu with an anchor saying Kiatsu. Like, oh my God. Ooh. You all right there? I had a mind melt. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm just... It really hurts because I have an unusual name. So I'm like, oh, how dare I misremember this name? It's okay. Oh. It's okay. Give your, grant yourself a little bit of grace. There's a lot of people, and Gyatso is a minor character. Not minor in Aang's life. For all, for all intents and purposes, he was a minor character. Okay. It still hurts. So I feel like I disrespected him. For misremembering his name. It's okay. It's okay. So whenever they were looking at the statue, I was kind of like, wait, why is that statue here? Because he was still alive. Why do people have statues of people who are still alive? Oh, yeah. Good point. That is a little odd, isn't it? Hmm. Um, I don't know. That is... Cause I, yeah, because I was just like, I don't think the air nomads would particularly have like elevate one individual above everyone else i mean yes they still had their social structure and their hierarchy but Uh i don't think they really like venerated like their leadership like the other other nations do so i'm just kind of like why was that statue there i i'm thinking out loud is it kind of like their version of portrait on the wall except it's a statue hmm because, I mean, they were earthbenders to, I'm sure, easily carve statues for them. So. I thought, uh, that statue looked like it was made of wood. Oh. I didn't take that close a look. I was too busy being shook by his name. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just... But also, since Aang's 12, I know a lot of very perceptive 12-year-olds. And Aang was not sheltered. Like, as sheltered as, like he's giving this air of, you know? Mm, explain. Like, he had seen, he had friends all around the world. He knew that he, like, was told that he was the Avatar when he was 12, and he knew that stuff was happening, Mm -hmm. and that the monks were training him for something. I just don't think that he, like, logically in my mind, knowing how perceptive 12 year olds can be like i don't think he should have been like oh they're just probably hiding somewhere you know they're probably around here or they moved or something like not considering that possibility that everyone there was killed yeah i mean it's a really scary and really big reality to face with i think I mean, how can you prepare for that? Because Hara and Sokka did their best to, but there's really no other way besides go forward and go through it. And going through it is really, really scary. It's scary, and it's awful, and it's traumatic. Mm-hmm. It's... I mean, Aang's world was already changed when he found out he was the Avatar. And it changed again when he realized he's the last airbender, too. And if we see... We saw how he handled 
re- receiving the news of being told the to Avatar, so. Whew. Like, uh, look, Aang needs therapy. Um, <laughs> but, like, the, the misconception that trauma has to be a big thing, like, it has to be a big T trauma, like, you have to have, like, lost a limb or been in an accident or mm-hmm. something ha- had to have happened to you for that to be considered trauma that's actually a misconception trauma the literal definition of trauma is whenever the brain has too much information thrown at it at once Mm -hmm. and you just don't know how to process it that's Mm -hmm. literally trauma Mm -hmm. and that is what decides whether or not an event is traumatic so what ang is experiencing at this point is trauma because He realizes that he was stuck in an iceberg for a hundred years. He finds out that there's the war happening. He, like, he knows that in the back of his mind, he's the avatar and he should be doing something like going and looking for his people, going and doing anything Mm -hmm. that, like, he has, like, all these perceptions of what he should be doing for his role as the avatar. He doesn't even know the big antagonist yet. He just thinks Zuko's is a big enemy right now. He doesn't see mm-hmm. the bigger picture. And so what this episode really does is it brings all of these pressures and everything back to him. So it's like a colliding with all of the pressures and the reasons that he ran away into the oh. urgency of why he's needed. So whenever he found out that everyone was gone and it triggered the Avatar state, Mm-hmm. I think what he was experiencing was trauma, obviously, but mm-hmm. at the same time, the avatar state is a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. It's triggered when you. Oh, so it was just like his I'm brain saying? trying to cope with all the yeah. information. Okay, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Wow, and I think nice. it's very well written. Indeed. Oh man. Um. So where are we now? Because, you know, he didn't snap out of the Avatar state until Katara said, we're your family. We're not going to let anything happen to you. So <laughs> whenever family. he felt safe again, uh-huh. that's when he calmed down. Mm-hmm. Okay. <sighs> this is a heavy episode. It's only the third episode. I know. It's only episode oh, three. <laughs> and it's just going to get worse from here. But uh, let's let's focus on the the lighter notes of this episode, I guess. The like, B plot, Zuko. Oh, I was gonna go. Well, where are we going now? Ooh, I had a note in here. The art and the scenery is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Their art department deserves all the praise. <laughs> mm-hmm. all and the, praise. the music score too is great. Uh, and that I'm a pool- sucker that- for mountains. <laughs> okay i'm a sucker for some good concept art okay um so how'd you feel about that flashback pullback shot then because i wrote down that is painful to see what it was what it once was what ang's life was oh that hurts and the like you could see the very blatant contrast between the flashback and the reality of what Aang was looking at now. Mm-hmm. I think it was definitely another another indicator that he was just trying to guard himself with blind optimism, but he knew deep down this Oof. isn't right. Something's going on. Oof. Oof. So, like, maybe what I said about him being more obtuse and, like, 
blind optimism. Maybe it was him defending and trying to protect himself yeah. from this inevitable like realization. And poor Sokka and Guitar really did try to help. Like Sokka even offered to play air ball with him. Which side note, how do you get up on those posts? Those are pretty tall posts. I mean, do you think people- Aang gave him a boost? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I would Possibly. love to see that. Uh, because, or, maybe, like, or he could have jumped off of Appa too, I guess. But I like to, I like to imagine Aang pushing him up, a little boost. <laughs> because, or or I don't know. Because all of these teenagers, they're like used to roughing it, living off of the land. I saw and stuff. no footholds in those posts. I was looking for. Granted, we weren't given like a close up, so there could have been, I guess. But still, this is a game for Ender. Airbenders by Airbenders, so I don't know why they would have put footholds in the posts. True, true. But I'm also just thinking that people in this people in this universe are a little more fit and agile than what we are thinking. Their bone structure, like how are their joints made? Because Uh. like Aang is 12 years old and has an amazing sense of balance. Granted, we see like this kind of level of athleticism and acrobatics from like you know those 10-year-olds that are in the Olympics. Oh, yeah. True. Training all their lives. So it's definitely possible. We're just not... We're just couch potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there it is. (laughs) So it is very possible that Sokka could have gotten up there on his own will. I mean, we, we see that he's not super adept or athletic in the first couple of episodes, but he does get a couple of good shots off of Zuko whenever they're having their battle. Yeah, he's not skilled. His skills aren't refined, but the potential is definitely there. The raw so. potential. The mm. raw potential and the energy is there. And we learn later about Sokka that he does he is able to get very good and refined in so good. a form of martial arts. So So good. So good. Ugh. Okay, um this next one goes back to Zuko and Zhao. Mhm. Like Zhao being a little and being like two years of at sea have done little to temper your tongue yeah, yeah. Zuko, you just did you are you just talking about your dad and stuff now calling him a fool like what happened to all that parrot worship and getting honor and getting your honor back yeah like, and like why was, would you be calling your sovereign and your father a fool if he was exiled to? for dishonoring his father so i feel like calling him a fool is not learning from that lesson of don't dishonor your father so also like why are you out there saying that out loud yeah like, knowing the fire nation that's like low-key treason yeah you're in a fire nation base with a known guy who clearly dislikes you so maybe he was calling him a fool to like puff his chest a little bit like oh you don't scare me neither does my dad despite the scar on my face and my exile yeah zuko went through trauma too (laughs) so yeah but i i'm still kind of like zuko maybe don't call your dad a fool in front of this commander also zuko's just a hothead we know this about him we know that he's not great at holding his tongue and he doesn't really think through a lot of his actions and like he constantly has to have an iro out there going like slow your roll buddy <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and so okay so like the next point that i have is now we know that all of the airbenders are dead like why 
like why why do people just believe he do people just like we have verbal confirmation from Zhao and from the mm-hmm. Fire Nation, so the audience knows that all the airbenders are gone. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they not verify that the Avatar was definitely one of the dead airbenders? And then they, why wouldn't they just like continue their rampage with the waterbenders? Um, and why not wipe them out next then? Because that was the next person in the cycle. Like, why wouldn't they just try to continue to wipe everyone out? And I was like, oh yeah, because you don't have your genocide comment, you Okay, so the first first question, why don't people believe that the Avatar is among the dead airbenders, or do believe? I mean, from the outside, the Avatar looks like anyone else, so it'd be really hard to tell, just looking at a body, that, oh, that's Avatar, got him, okay, moving on. So, um, next question... Wouldn't it go, just go to a waterbender? Isn't that precisely why they went after the Southern Water Tribe and their benders? Was to prevent that? Yeah, but then they left the Northern Water Tribe. But we see later on because the territory is too... The terrain is too dangerous for them. Yeah, I think they put all their eggs in one basket with the Southern Water Tribe. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't a super smart strategy anyway. Mm-hmm. Either. Mm-hmm. You know, and- if... If they were really, really, really perceptive and wanted to do that, they could have just totally poisoned them, like poisoned their water system or something and wiped them out that way. We already know that this Fire Nation was capable of genocide. They literally could have just, like, poisoned them. Do we ever see an instance of poison in this show? I feel like it's almost... It's too conniving and too easy... Too subtle. Uh, too, yeah, too easy a bad guy move, you know? Like, they gotta show more complex actions to show these complex characters. Well, we, know, also, know, that, we know that poison exists in this, in this universe because, like, we know that poisonous plants and animals exist. This is true. Um, I don't know. Well, waterbenders, some of them are also healers, so water definitely would take a toll. I don't know if it's... I don't know if this devastation is quick enough i guess i don't know that's a good question i think about that because Mm. like there are other ways to rage war than yeah just brute force yeah than brute force Mm. more subtle more conniving well the fire nation isn't really known for subtlety so valid okay um that was just a little tidbit thought that i might have had yeah Mm. it was interesting um Next is so we now now we know that all the airbenders are dead, and then I my next note is seriously Zuko, you idiot! Like about why the Agni isn't, Kai right about the Agni Kai? And I'm like, why isn't Iroh intervening? Does he have no control over Zuko? Isn't he supposed to be a general and a good strategist? He obviously knows on so many levels that this is not a good idea. Why is he going behind this? Yeah, I. I mean, ultimately, it's for plot purposes, but, like, looking into the story, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Would it have been bad for Zuko if Iroh did tell him to call it off? Like, would it have made Zuko seem more of a child than he, I mean, he is a child, but would it, would it have, like, what are the rules of an Agni Kai? Is it like a duel? So, like, is it basically, like, it, the Agni Kai looked like a duel to me. 
Yeah. So like a duel where it's like, if we know anything about Hamilton from Hamilton, the musical, <laughs> we know about duels. Uh-huh. Sure. I feel like it's more like a martial arts um, match, but yes. So like if they're trying to like prove something and neither party are backing down and they duke it out, like we don't know if Agni Kai is supposed to be to the death. Well, duels yeah. originally weren't supposed to be to the death, but it just kind of seems like that one to go, like that go to like, oh, you pissed me off, Agni Kai, you know? And we mm-hmm. only see Quick question. Four Agni uh, Kai's in this entire series? One, two, maybe and three. And then in the, the series book. or the book? The series. The whole arching series. Yeah. We only see a handful of these. So yeah. it's like really cool to be able to see formal firebending. Because mm-hmm. this is formal. Yeah. Well, I think the Agni Kai in this episode was really to establish the dynamics of the fire nation and the their power that they have because we didn't really get that good a look at it in the pilot episode like yeah we saw oh there's fire oh it's bad but we didn't see how powerful and um destructive it could be but yeah i think i was surprised that they shouldn't i think i so early on in the in the series because it's only a third episode but i think it was mostly to establish the the brute force and might of firebenders I think it was just also just like really cool to see because we we saw airbend we've seen airbending and what Aang can do. Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen a huge like level of waterbending, which is my favorite to watch. Tbh, mm-hmm. um, and so and then my second favorite bending style to watch is firebending. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think it mm-hmm. just like looks super dynamic and really cool. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I can that's see just, that. Yeah, my first definitely water bending. I I think my second probably is is probably earth bending because it's so firm. It's and so, so centered. Yeah, it's <laughs> look. So those don't know me. I'm a little bit of a feather in the wind. Let's say. So, <laughs> would you like to add something, Hannah? No, continue. I, I okay. I'm interested to see where this is going. So seeing how unmovable a force airbenders could be, it was something that I really admired. It's something I really couldn't picture myself doing. So it was really cool to see it in these earthbenders. Yeah, you lost me. <laughs> okay. Um, you absolutely lost me. I think, I just think that firebending is also just like really cool and dynamic in the sense that like with water and earth bending they have to use the elements around them whereas mm-hmm. fire and air you can literally create something yeah mm-hmm. so i always thought that was amazing because not only is it dynamic and fluid and flexible because you can't really contain it mm-hmm. i thought that it's also very like practical mm-hmm and, like, definitely all of the nation's control of their perspective, ele- their respective elements definitely helps shape the way that their minds think and how yeah. their culture is, which we learn later. Um, but at the same time, I'm just like, okay, firebenders have to be ingenuitive. They have to be, they have to outthink their opponent and they, ha- they have to be good at strategy. 
I don't think it's so much they have to outthink their opponent, or maybe it's supposed to be, but as the Fire Nation is now, that's not how it is. But I think currently, it's they need to overwhelm their opponent. Because usually when we think of fire, we think of a big force that we can't contain. It overwhelms us. So we I learn, think- we, ha- we learn later that firebenders have to learn how to control and contain and be able to think around obstacles. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think the problem with Commander Zhao and the Fire Nation is, as a whole is how do you overwhelm? Um, mm-hmm. So next. Um, I wrote a lot about the condition of the air temple and how is like how it hasn't been like a subject to like the elements or anything. Um, just looking at how beautiful that it is that the air temple was back in its heyday, the the memory color scheme, how it's all just bright and warm, you know. Mm-hmm. It just makes it just makes me happy and sad and melancholy. <laughs> Like, Which I think was the point. So good job, animators that? and artists. And the music and the background music for uh, this scene too. It it hurt. Uh, and so like whenever he's entering the air temple sanctuary, when you're old enough, and I was just like, I thought he had to be a master airbender, but Aang's already been a master airbender for a bit, and. But I think that was just for a full, real, fully realized avatar or five firebenders whenever they go to Roku's Yeah, temple. that was um, something I noted, too. It's a like, different rule, yeah. Yeah, the Air Temple Sanctuary only needed the one airbender, but the Fire Nation needed all of them. And I, th- I think the water one was just a door. And then we've never seen the Earth Nation, Earth Kingdom Temple Sanctuary, and I really want to see it. Because they're the only ones that didn't have statues. There was a, was a mosaic of sorts. And I was really intrigued. Because we only saw five figures in that picture. We saw hundreds of... Actually, we didn't see the inside of the water sanctuary either, did we? <laughs> we only saw the glowing, pointy thing. Spire. That's the word. Yeah. It was glowing spire. Oh, wow. Hmm. But also, these statues. I have questions. Yes. When are they commissioned? Like, is it while the avatars are alive? Is it after they're dead? Who makes them? Because whenever Aang's avatar say it is activated, all their eyes aren't glowing. Why? How? Because, like, the, surely those aren't the only iterations of the avatars in the world. But why are the ones in the sanctuaries the ones whose eyes glow? Is it because they're in a sanctuary? Well, we do know that certain sanctuaries have like very spiritual connections spiritual connections yes exactly and like they're positioned specifically for the whole spiritual connection like we know that with uh avatar roku's temple like whenever like the sun hits it on that day on the solstice Mm -hmm. that like um and we like we know that it like has special qualities to it so i think that these temples are placed where they are geographically because they coincide where with specific areas in the spirit world which we don't really know much about the spirit world mm-hmm. yet but we do know that the avatar is the bridge between the humans and the spirit world and that's yeah. his entire, like his entire goal not like his entire purpose of existence is to be that bridge between the spirit and the spirit world and the human world. We don't really talk about that a ton at first because like um, 
we're talking about the war and how like we need to end this war but I think later like at first it was supposed to just be purely between the spirits and the humans but I think avatars eventually like took on this other role of became more all these uh, geopolitical yeah these geopolitical duties and problem solvers as well okay so the temples are stationed where they are because they're more or less like the thinner spots of like a thinner veil between the worlds yeah okay that makes a lot more sense okay okay still weird how or when the statues are commissioned and made but i mean like in regards to the statues being commissioned and made i i have a theory like What's the word? Headcanon? Uh-huh. There you go. He's like, fandom turns. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Not really adept to fandom life yet. It's okay. You're learning. <laughs> <laughs> so what if the statues in the sanctuary, they're commissioned from a special place in the temple, like a special spiritual place in the temple, so they have that quality, or the eyes are a different substance? Hmm. Or, like, I know that we're reading way too into this. Uh-huh. And, like, right. in, in regards to um, when are these statues commissioned, I think that Roku, Roku's was there, but it didn't have his name yet. I don't think because, any of them had names, right? Oh, they didn't have names. Yeah, because whenever Katara made note that how did you know his name, there's no plaque. I looked at the other statues briefly. I didn't see any plaque uh, on oh, them either. So maybe they just didn't have names. So maybe it had just taken a hot second for, like, because people obviously knew what Roku looked like. So it just took a while for, like, them to send, like, a painting or something and be all, like, here's what the statue is supposed to look like. Here you go. Well, yeah, I'm just wondering because, like, the avatar, the statue we see of Avatar Roku is basically, is when he's much older, not when he was first revealed as the Avatar, not when he's 16, you know? So I'm wondering, like, is it commissioned after a certain birthday every year if they're still alive or what? But we also know that Avatars have drastically different lifespans. So Yeah. Like, Which is, again, so is it, like, made, like, every year for their birthday? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that would be a little odd. Mm-hmm. I'm still I don't confused know. by the Earth temple sanctuary because there were only five avatars on that on that mural on the mosaic maybe it was just like the mo- the five most recent yeah that's what i was thinking too av- but like earthbender avatars but we see at least wait did we see i can't remember now in the fire temple sanctuary we saw all the statues right i can't remember now we'll have to like go back and rewatch it now <laughs> yeah it's been a day since we saw the episode between recording this and seeing Ugh. this so oops okay many hoodles where were we i think i think the purpose of this scene though was solely to like say okay energy releasing giant source the avatar state has been triggered so everyone knows he's alive oh uh, well it was yes. supposed to indicate that Definitely, definitely. But the logistics of the world. So Avatar, like you said, is the bridge between the spirit worlds and the and the mortal world. What do they call it? They just say our world. Physical world. Um, physical world. So yeah. is it because Aang released so much spiritual energy in that place that was already 
a thinner veil between the worlds, I was able to travel to the other sanctuaries too. I think so. Cool. Okay, moving on. <laughs> cool. Now that we've established that. So, um... Sokka with the meat again. I mean, I can relate. Also, he never specifically said meat. He said food. Okay. It wasn't until later on that he said meat the one time. I was okay. I was watching out for that. Because I, I relate to Sokka on that. With the food thing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, so whenever they had questioned Zuko and Iroh's crew on the ship, we now know that they ain't super loyal. Wait, wait, can we go back to the sanctuary real quick? Okay. Because yeah. there was there was a flashback before he enters the sanctuary, there's a flashback of Funkyatso and Aang. Side note, what a waste of cake. It's so cute though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was a cute scene. And I definitely thought it was cute back then. Now I'm like, wow, what a waste of cake. Um, but in that flashback, Aang was, or Mankyatso told Aang, you're not old enough yet to t- enter the temple. Mm-hmm. Why is Aang old enough now? Because. Well, what else you, is he going to do? I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> because even though 100 years and has passed, no for Aang, it was only a couple of days. Yeah, but also at the same time, like, now that he doesn't see any other air, um, air temple air nomads anywhere he doesn't see any monks anywhere no one's gonna tell him no he had no other option i guess yeah okay that means he just sounded so sure that he was ready to go in i was like what changed (sighs) in because it's only like a few days for him so yeah but also what changed was he realized that he effed up very big whenever he decided to run away oh also they he went in because someone in there was supposed to help them and the sense i got and i remember whenever i first watched it i also got yeah well that and like it was going to be a real live person flesh and blood so maybe he went in there hoping to find someone and then and then then katara Katara being like no one's going to survive inside there for a hundred years yeah i made a note of that okay again lifespans a hundred years if it was like a bomb shelter with enough supplies and properly fortified, technically, someone could have survived in there. Especially since only an airbender could get in there. So, like, what are lifespans? Technically, someone could we, have provi- survived. We, but also, we learn in later episodes that they were able to get into the sanctuaries. <sighs> well, I still want to say that, Katara, what are lifespans? Someone could have survived with the right conditions. I.e. lots of food and water in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any hoodles. Back to Zuko and General Iroh, Commander Zhao. Okay, so, like, obviously, like, they were lying to Zhao because he's a... such awkward lying. Like. He's a bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> and it was really bad lying. And I'm just like, why did they... Uh, did they not have a cover story prepared beforehand? Did you not have a cover story prepared beforehand? Also, like, seriously, are you that bad at lying? Can't you outrank him? Don't you know state secrets being part of the royal family and everything? And like, Wait, would wouldn't lying be dishonorable? Whatever, <laughs> he's already dishonored. And Oof. like, seriously, like, uh, and like, what is Iroh's deal in there? Like. Are you literally just being furniture? He's literally just furniture at this point. Yeah, I 
like we know that he has a bigger role in all of this but like is that part of an act is he doing this on top is he like biding his time because we know that iroh is a general and a strategist so he might be just weighing the options iroh really should have ended up being the fire lord he would have been (sighs) i wonder sometimes what would have happened um anyway yeah i wrote it in my notes that uh General Iroh's supposed incompetence is really coming through in this episode. It really is. And I don't know if it's an act or not. Yeah, me neither. I really I feel like tell. it's an act because we know how powerful he is. And we know, like, that he's not just, like, a crazy old coot. But also, he is an uncle and a dad. Like, dads are funny like that sometimes. So... <laughs> okay. So, it was, it was... Do you disagree, though? Yeah, no, so it could be a mixture of both, I guess. So, yeah. I'm- okay, also, okay, so it goes back to the Avatar, it flashes back to the Avatar Sanctuary, okay? Back to the statues. One more thing, you know? Uh huh. Okay, so a hundred years is not going to destroy, like, the fact that the Avatar exists because there is history. We know that later that there's people that are older than a hundred and then in this universe so why on earth i just i'm still trying to grasp like why they're saying well according to history or the myths or something like why aren't there still do you know what i'm trying to say like there's an established history why are they like defaulting on like well my grandma said or well like there are people that are already that are still alive that would have known the last avatar so you're Supposedly. questioning why do they like, still believe in the Avatar? No, I'm asking why do they not know as much as they should know about the Avatar? Because there have already been X amount of generations with the Avatar. Like, there is already a very established, like... Okay. Continu- well, I mean... Continuality. Like, they know how the whole Avatar thing is supposed to pan out. Like, why okay. did they... Why has like that word of mouth like why did he just like slip out of the world like fall into obscurity and mystery it's only been a hundred years it is it has been a hundred years but it's been a hundred years of inaction from the avatar so and also aside from the fact that they that the avatars can master all four elements that's their biggest thing like aside from that what else is there to being the avatar Personality aside and relationship aside, the Avatar's main thing is they can master all four elements. So that's what everyone knows because that's what they're most well known for. And the reason why people didn't know much about the Avatar during this interim is because they didn't know Aang was the Avatar. They didn't have a personality to connect with the Avatar yet. Mm. They just saw it as a concept. And the concept is he masters all four elements. Mm. Okay, I see what you're saying. And mm-hmm. then that line where Sokka's like, you were a firebender? No wonder yeah. I didn't trust you. And I was like, you're a moron. I, I think when I first saw it, I was like, that was dumb. But now I'm like, was that his Was that his really, really poor attempt at humor, at teasing? Because that was a really bad job. Yeah. Ugh. Is Sokka a moron here? Or is he just being very awkward? We Maybe a bit of both. <laughs> we may never know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Momo! Momo! Oh, boy. How are these lemurs domesticated? Do we know that they're domesticated? I don't and know if they're domesticated. Like, 
yeah, so, like, how is he able to tame that thing? I mean, like, they didn't. Momo chose to go with him. But also, whenever, whenever yeah, Sokka and... Huh? Like, I think that was, like, just a little too easy. Like, taming I mean, a wild animal. Yeah. Domesticating a wild animal. That was just a little too easy. Also, if Momo was there, those lemurs couldn't have had, like, that long of a lifespan either. Where are the others? Yeah, that's what I was wondering, too. I mean, who knows? I'm already confused by the human lifespan, plus not getting to animal lifespans. Um, but also, domestication, it works. It affects our biology, too, including their brain. So, like, it could have been hardwired into his brain to be not as afraid of Because, Aang like, and we, already know that, we already know that those lemurs had already been interacting and living with the air nomads. We saw them mm-hmm. in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. That they weren't, they clearly were not afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And then the bison's oppa's domesticated, mm-hmm. obviously. And then uh, Sokka and Aang chase after Momo. <laughs> One of the things like, God, I have was oh. whenever they're chasing and uh, racing each other, Sokka's trick to trip up Aang, if he had succeeded, how much would that have hurt? Because that's a literal, legitimate weapon that he's using on a 12-year-old boy to bash his, his shins to trip him up over a lemur. I'm like, look, you weren't gonna win because plot, but if you had, would you have shattered his bones? <laughs> that's a weapon. I think this, well, look, I think, like, the concept of, like, weapons and stuff, like, Sokka's been handling weapons since he was a boy already. It's a warrior culture. He's and, still like, a boy. He is still a boy. But I also, like, put it on the same, like, level of, like, you know, I have friends who had been handling guns since they were eight. Mm. You know? Okay. So he's been raised around these. He can, he can control these weapons. Okay. Okay. I just want to so, make that note. That was a weird... I don't, um, and also, I just saw him kind of just stick it out. I don't, I don't really believe. Not, that, like, swinging it? I don't believe he was intending to really, he wasn't intending to hurt him. Okay, He was just okay. trying to trip him. I was just hung up on the fact that he used the weapon. But, okay, I see your point now. And then those, um, I was just surprised that they mentioned an Agni Kai this early. I didn't remember it being this episode on, like, right. how early. Like, I was like, oh, man. Um, here's is like an Agni Kai duel, and then it, um, and then I'm about to go on a rampage. That here's the bit where you're probably going to have to like bleep out a lot of it, right? Okay. Okay. Oh man, here we go. We actually see bodies now. How the f- did I watch this as a kid, dude? That was so f- traumatic. How how is he able to see this skeleton? That how is the skeleton just so well preserved? And any how is anything that well preserved and was Gyatso like the only master in there with that regalia how is he recognizable oh my gosh um okay maybe Aang was just like projecting that that was Gyatso but he wouldn't have known who wouldn't know it could have been literally anyone but anyway it's still like traumatic whether or not that actually was Gyatso like what the actual okay all right yeah I have a shirt I'll fudge oh my gosh here we go yeah I don't remember processing how many bodies were in that room um but uh to go back to answer one of your questions how is it so well preserved they're in the cold True. so okay uh, okay but I there's think... so many bodies in there and like we know that gyatsu took them out yeah that's what i have to like gyatsu really held this oh there were a lot of fire nation bodies but we also <laughs> know that airbending 
as of right now, airbending's not weaponized. Yeah. It's not a thing. Like, so it's not used to really fight. Uh-huh. So I wonder, I'm, I'm almost a little scared to wonder how Kyatso did that. Like, we know, we know and we see in later, like, in Korra. We yeah. see in Korra how airbending can be weaponized and how but it can be That was one airbender on one person. This was a whole army. So. You just gotta wonder. Maybe. Uh. Ugh. That, and, like, just also wondering how the f*** that happened. Like, mm. that's mm. also something that is on, very on par with the whole trauma mm. theme of mm. this episode for me. Like, regardless, everything is just so, so traumatic. And, like, but, he's um, crying. Sokka, Sokka comes in, he, and he's like, hey, I wasn't really going to eat it. And then he sees the bodies. How did he not see the bodies whenever he first entered? Come on, Sokka, be a little more observant. He and did then, see the bodies when he entered. That's why he stopped. Well, no, no, no. At first, he was all like, I'm not going to actually eat the lemur. Calm down. It's okay. It was just a joke. And I was like, no, man read the room um and then well, here comes uh, the avatar state ele- elemental connection spiritual connection oh, quick question. all the other nations the avatar has returned we quick get question. glimpses into the le- rest of the world i think i think i already answered it earlier on actually but how come whenever ang entered the avatar state on zuko's ship all the other statues didn't light up is it because he was in the sanctuary or in the temple the, all the statues lit up? I think it was the proximity of the temple. Okay. Um, another thing, back to your rant, was I think it was recognizable as Kyatso because when we see the statue and we see him, what was really prominent was his necklace. And the other elders, I was looking at their costume, only one of them had a necklace and it was so slightly different than Kyatso's. So I think oh. that was the main thing. Oh, I think so- his, skull, his skull structure was really thin and long compared to the other ones. I, I took note of that. So you can see from his uh, skull that it was Katsu. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's so f-ing traumatic. I'm sorry. Like, I... Even for us 25-year-olds, it's still traumatic. Like, even, like, I've been to a funeral before. So, like, whenever my grandparents died, I've seen them. hmm You know? hmm But that was at a funeral where they were embalmed, they looked peaceful and everything. To see someone that you loved in that state i don't even want to try and comprehend that's just even more trauma on more trauma like first of all just seeing a body is traumatic mm-hmm. seeing like, just it as your mentor seeing it as your mentor a father figure someone that you loved the someone that you literally saw every single day until literally like a week ago and now you <gasps> woke up and it's all that was all, like, yesterday for mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. The passage of time meant nothing for him in that iceberg. It was mm-hmm. literally as if he saw his dad last week, and then now he sees his dad as a skeleton. Like, mm-hmm. there is no... I don't know what, like, their funeral processes or their grieving culture was with the Air Nomads, but I can guarantee you it sure as would have... There's some sort of respect done for them. yeah. That was a tough scene. And it really hits home that, like, oh, this is a TV show about 
really really hard things Mm -hmm. like yeah it's a cool concept and it's amazing universe but it really has so heavy undertones oh my gosh yeah I think the main points of this episode was really 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 honing in the fact that Aang is the last airbender and how powerful the fire nation is as seen from the Agni Kai um how did the avatar state not kill Sokka? Because I saw him like be thrown yeah, back. Yeah, right. And the debris. How did that not snap his neck? Uh huh. And the debris not uh flying and impaling him. But I mean, plot purposes. Um, like the emotional impact of that scene still it haunts me. It hurts. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. To pivot back to the Agni Kai. Yes, okay. and then it just takes, he's in the middle of the Avatar state, and they choose that scene to just go back to the Agni Kai? Are you kidding me? Again, like, I, I think the main two points of the episode was really, um, in isn't the word I'm looking for, drive in the fact that Aang's the last one and how powerful it is. So they're, they keep switching back to really emphasize that. So, um, right away, what do, how do you think... Zhao would have reacted if Zuko had scarred him. Because you know when he was down, Zhao was like, do it. I was like, okay, if he does, then what? Would you respect him more? You would resent him more, right? So. I, I, it wasn't, Zuko was going to lose regardless if he even won. So like, that's also why I was like, just very intrigued on why this is happening like why he like Zuko had very Zuko had so much to prove but even if he won like it wouldn't have been that big of a deal like it was it wasn't even that big of a deal he like even he had Zhao on the ground and whatever and then um Zhao was able to go back to his everyday life it wasn't pivotal it wasn't a pivotal like instance like mm-hmm. this wasn't gonna restore Zuko's honor but like he had he had so much to gain and nothing to lose but Zhao had literally nothing to lose and nothing to gain like does that you make sense? You don't think he would have lost something if Zuko had scarred him? I don't think so. Really? I think he would have lost some respect. I feel like I feel like the soldiers under his command would have been like well Zuko's crazy. So they would have just pushed all the blame on Zuko. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like the whole sucks. power dynamics in here. Like Zuko could not have like improved. <sighs> the point of this Agni Kai was that Zuko felt slighted by Zhao, right? Yes. So in order to gain more respect and more standing, he challenged him to an Agni Kai, even though he won and he acted with honor. Zhao still acted despicable, and we knew that, but, like, at the same time, that doesn't change Zhao's standing in society, it doesn't change his viewpoints, like, nothing changed in Zhao. So it was more like a blip, I guess, in his day? Okay. Yeah, it was just a blip in his day. It wasn't as pivotal as it was to Zuko, because we hear Iroh telling Zuko, remember your basics, remember your basics, like... I don't know why this actually said like, that this wasn't as important to Shao as it was to Zuko. No, no. You see, it's like... Yeah. I see what you're saying. I'm just saying yeah. I feel sad, and I don't know why I feel sad. No, it is that. sad. It is sad. Mm-hmm. That reality that it could have been a huge blow to Zuko if had he lost, 
Um, but Zhao's victory wouldn't have, have affected him as much as Zuko's victory affected him. Mm, Zuko had uh, more writing on this than Zhao did. Exactly. Okay. That's what I've, that's the point that I was saying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But <laughs> then, you know how earlier we were saying how Zuko was disrespecting his dad by calling him a fool, disrespecting mm-hmm. the Fire Lord? And Zhao accused him of that. And then Zhao himself goes, your father raised a coward. Is that not also disrespectful to the Fire Lord? Look, Zhao's character, he's going to do something, whatever he thinks is going to benefit him. Like, we don't see a lot of character complexity in Zhao. He has one goal, one dimension. Mm. And he's just an (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, Zhao is a, it's a butt. But, okay, so whenever Zhao, <laughs> uh, so yeah, as uh, Zhao is a butt, as proven, whenever Zuko's walking away, Zhao attempts to... He literally just tried to attack him from behind. Yeah, which is, I think, very dishonorable. And then Iroh, Uncle Iroh, how he, he just shows up out of back? nowhere. Yeah. I know, he just shows up out of nowhere and just throws <laughs> him back. Yes. Like, and- like- I get, like, whenever Zhao gets up, you can see him preparing to strike, I guess. But still, Iron was, like, way to the other side, right? Way at the mm-hmm. end, and they were in the middle. How did he get there so bad? Look, Iroh is straight up Yoda, okay? <laughs> Iroh is Yoda. I like to think okay. Iroh as so, so big a character in his own right that he is oh, incomparable. Yeah. He's a so, Yoda yeah. archetype, though. Yoda came first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, okay. hoodles. And, it, and then it goes, all right, back to Aang and his trauma. <laughs> so while really? we come back to Aang and his trauma, I <laughs> wrote in all capitals, all these people need therapy. <laughs> and then it's yeah. the first time, also, like, when Aang's, like, freaking out in the Avatar state, uh, it's the first time I realized Katara had long hair. Yo, I remember you mentioning that. I don't think we said it in the podcast. I think we were just talking about it. How you didn't yeah. know Katara had that much hair and thought that little bun was all her hair. Yeah. And I thought her braid fly. I was like, oh, hey, Hannah, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> and then, like, and then they're speaking to his avatar spirit. They're not talking to Aang. We know that Aang has taken, essentially, like, the avatar spirit is just basically using is speaking and talking and working through Aang at this point. So Aang is, like, in kind of, like, a trance Mm -hmm. at this point. So, like, you realize that they are talking to the Avatar spirit, not Aang, whenever they're like, we're your family now, we assure you that you're going to be safe. That's when he was able to return to himself. I got what you're saying, but I lost you, but I think I found you again. I think. So actually no, I'm still lost. Okay. Okay, follow me. Okay. The avatar state is a defense mechanism. Yes. As of right now, Aang is not a fully realized avatar and he doesn't have control over it. Yes. So it's his body and his spirit, the avatar spirit. Yes. Going into defense mode because he is perceiving all of this danger. It's the trauma that is being realized right now. It's his brain not being able to process okay. like, what? the loss and everything. And now he feels triggered because his avatar spirit can sense that Aang is under attack. He's the last airbender. Okay, so, what, what had tripped me up state. was whenever you said avatar state, 
what I had processed instead was like all his past lives, not just like his um, brain taking over more or less. That's where I got tripped up. I kept thinking like it's not all the Avatar is still Aang, but I get what you're saying now. Yes. That's where I was going to tip me up. Okay. So even whenever he's in the Avatar state though, the the past lives and the knowledge of the Avatars before him are protecting him. He's yeah. still not himself. Uh-huh. He is he is himself in a sense, but he's not himself while he's yeah. in the Avatar state. So I got that you. is a self-preservation self-pres- mechanism. And that's mm-hmm. why he had that protective ball of air mm-hmm. like in the middle and he didn't go full-blown avatar state where he was like bending all of the elements he was just there because there Um, was no there was no perceptible perceivable danger mm -hmm. just his emotional state exactly danger okay okay exactly so like air was his first element and that's like air is a very defensive element to where like you create that wall that defends you keeps things away from you Mm -hmm. so since there wasn't any other like physical danger like no one was throwing rocks at him no one was blasting him with fire or water so like he like the avatar state didn't trigger any use or any other abilities because it had nothing to defend against essentially Mm -hmm. okay that makes sense i did wonder about that but that makes a lot of sense um, but then yeah, because, Katara- like, whenever he entered the Avatar state against Zuko, he was thrown off a boat, and he was surrounded by water. So mm-hmm. that was the defense mechanism, like, clearing out the danger, but there's not actual physical danger this time, and it's just perceived danger by his emotions and his brain and his spirit. Okay, so it's protecting him so he can process it. And then Sokka and Katara help by basically establishing their found family, which... Regardless of anyone's trope preferences, found family can be agreed to be on everyone's favorite list. Like, you can't, you cannot not like the found family. It's so good. Um, a found family is, like, ugh. found family <laughs> is established on so much more than just blood relations. Found family is established on so much more devotion and... What really wore my heart was how quickly they established it. They've known each other for, like, let's say a week at most. And they're all like, this is our family. We're going to protect you. Okay? So I'm like, oh my gosh. <sighs> but, like, at the same time, like, is it, like, art imitates life or life imitates art? We found our found family within our friend group pretty quickly. True. This is also very true. Whenever but, we met in college, we were all thrown together that first week in those dorms. It was kind of helped, though, in that we were all in the same dorm because we applied to a program, so we already had all the same interests. We did all, but, like, just because you have the same interest doesn't mean, like, you're going to get along with someone. Yeah, it's very true. I just, it warmed my heart how quickly they warmed up to each other. Um, yeah. Yeah, and another thing that I don't know if it was on purpose or I just noticed it now uh, as an older viewer is how small everyone is, how small Aang and Sokka and Katara and Zuko are. Like, we may not know how small his ship is, but, like, Zuko as a person, as a character, they're all still children. Yeah, well, they're growing up in wartime. Yeah, it's just... Children that have to grow up in the middle of a conflict, they have to grow up. Like, they're young and, like, working, like, some of my past work with, like, I've worked with refugee populations before. 
Mm-hmm. Like, like growing yeah. up in growing up I, in a time of conflict, it I really think like it's hard to conceive that. A I lot think why I noticed it, that, but like, yeah, I think why I noticed it so much in this episode because later on in the episodes, I don't think about the fact that they were kids, and also when I first watched it, I was more or less in their age range, so mm-hmm. I could relate to them more. So I was like, oh yes, this is. I didn't think of him as kid or adult. I thought this is a person going through the, through these events. But now that I'm older, I'm like, these are kids going through these events. These are children Later, and we must yeah. protect them. Uh-huh. Later on in other episodes, I might not forget, but I might let go of that notion a little bit more like I did when I first watched it. Like, like these are, they're growing up. Um, but I just, there were a lot of things in this episode that really highlighted that for me was just how physically small they are yeah. because they're because they're kids yeah but i mean on a happier note Sokka finally got to eat and then it just says i'm just like how for me as a as someone that knows a lot about trauma how my next note was like how the f- are we transitioning to Aang just being calm so quickly? How yeah. is he not for life? I mean, kids are resilient and brain elasticity, but at the same time, he needs to process. Yeah. He needs uh-huh. therapy. We all need therapy. Yeah. I mean, plot purposes, that's why he was able to calm so quickly. And maybe I need he therapy does... after that episode. <laughs> maybe he does talk it out when they're traveling in the interim we don't see. I'm going to go with that. Makes me feel a little bit better. Yes, and my last two points are we're ending this episode with melancholy and everything is very sad. There is some hope, though. There is hope. Oh, but, and yeah. then the drums on at the end of the episode count. Yeah! But, well, I'm a little worried now. Do you remember what the normal ending, quote-unquote, normal end music sequence was? Okay. Is that is that the normal one? I think or so. is it is that the one that's different for a certain episodes and the drum beat is the normal one? Ooh. Because I know it's only the third episode, but I'm like, I don't remember it being this common. So We shall see. So that was oh, I'm getting worried about my drum beat count. We shall see. Alrighty. Yeah. You have anything else to add? I'm glad Sokka, Sokka got to eat. Because he did all this adventuring on an empty stomach. And, like, I couldn't do that. I would have, like... Uh, I've, gone, I've gone days without eating before. I can't. I get super cranky and headachy if I go, like, ten steps without eating anything. So, I was, I'm glad Sokka got to eat. That's good. All right. And that's the end of episode three. Can't wait for what's next. <laughs> no. I can't wait, um, actually, because I peeked at the title. It's the it's the Kyoshi Warrior one. <gasps> yeah! <laughs> now so we, get to get, we get to know more about some bad females. I know. We get to see Sokka get his butt kicked. Ugh, yes, because honestly, I don't know how long I could have handled a misogynist Sokka. Right, right. I'm so glad they hit. Okay, well, I mean, we can discuss this in the next episode. So, but for now, for it's now. nice talking to you, Hannah. It was wonderful talking to you, too. I'll see you next week whenever we get to talk about episode four. Oh, yeah. So thank you to our listeners. You can catch us on Tumblr at Cactus Juice Pod and on our Twitter, Cactus Juice Pod. 
yeah and then we uh any questions and concerns i guess email at cactusjuicepodcast at gmail.com so yeah safe travels everyone safe travels bye